Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Like I said, today is Super Bowl Sunday, and millions of people will be watching the game. Now, if you had a lot of money, you could afford to go to the game and watch it. But I don't care what game it is, there's no game in the world worth $1,000 or $4,000 or $10,000 a seat. We went to two Bronco games when we lived in Colorado. They were good seats. We went to the last one at Mile High Stadium, and I have those tickets, and I think I'm going to put them on eBay, see if I can sell them, because they're worth money. But I'd rather watch games on TV, especially I have a 70-inch TV to watch them on. (laughs) And a 55-inch above it to watch it, in case you miss something on the one below. For many reasons. It's closer to the food and cheaper. And it's closer to the bathrooms and there aren't lines. So I like Super Bowl and I like football and we watch it at home in the comfort of our home. So join us for our party because we have fun. We yell and scream at the refs and at each other. No, we don't scream at each other. I haven't hit Susie yet. <laughs> so, but we have a lot of fun. Now, this game is important to us football fans. But most of us are just spectators or armchair quarterbacks, aren't we? I sit in my, my recliner, and I'll tell you, I can tell them what they need to do to win. And I yell it sometimes. And if they mess up, we yell, get them out of the game. I don't care who they are. <laughs> We are Pentecostal football watchers, and we get excited. I believe I get excited in church, so I can get excited over a game. Because it does have some lessons it can teach us. So, now, if there was some magic pill or some magic play that the team could take to guarantee a, a victory, they would do it. Saw something sparkly. It drew my attention. I thought maybe I'd lost my earrings or something. (laughs) I do that. I've done that. They would do it. They would do whatever it took to win the game, as long as it wasn't illegal. See, and we as believers are in our own Super Bowl. How many know that you were born into a Super Bowl of life? You don't know that? Well, we are. We're in this game whether we like it or not. And as believers, we are on the winning team because we have guaranteed victory over over our game as believers. Now, I hope the Denver Broncos just stomp the Panthers, and we're going to do our best to edge them toward that victory. But if you're not a football fan, don't worry about it. The things I'm going to uh, talk about this morning can be related to our own game. And uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. There we go. Tell you, it's been so long since I did this, they forgot what's going on up here. (laughs) Do you know that in a race, all runners race, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like somebody running aimlessly. 
I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified of the prize. Now, Paul was referring to a race. Now, the, the, the race is over there. That's where the Olympics originally started. And they ran around this, the Colosseums, and the winner got this crown of leaves or whatever uh, as a winner. But see, that game was only one person got the prize. But see, the game of football is a team sport. It's not a me game. It's a team sport. And being a Christian, we are on a team. We are part of a team. And guaranteed, of course, guaranteeing a crown because all believers will get a crown. So I'm excited about that. <clears throat> now, we can't win once in a while. We can't do things right once in a while. We have to do it all the time in our lives. We have to do that. Now, winning is a habit. If you win in every game and you win and win and win, it becomes a habit. But unfortunately, so is losing. I do not like to lose. And I do not like to fail. Man, I'll tell you, it just drives me crazy if I have to lose something. That's why I do my best and I press and do everything I can to win and do it right. Because I don't like doing it over. And as believers, if we're in a trial or situation in our life and we fail, we don't get to just skip it. we got to go back to the beginning and do it again. Being a Christian is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We aren't going to get to the finish line until we die or until Christ returns. That's the reality of it. So don't give up. If you fumble or whatever, don't worry about it. Well, pick yourself up and go on. Now, a football player has to play the game from the ground up. Every inch of his body and being and thoughts have to be on that game. Because if they don't, they'll lose. And every inch of our strength and ability has to go from the ground up, from the soles of our feet to the top of our head. We can't, our arm just can't serve the Lord. Say, I went to church and I went like this and I praised God, so therefore I did it. That ain't going to cut it. If you want to come and do that, that's okay. We're a Pentecostal church. You can praise God. You can shout. You can dance in the aisle. You can run around this church all you want. And if that happens in the running, I'll do my best to follow you. Amen? Amen? <laughs> so it's okay to get excited about a game and excited about Jesus. Now, running a football team is no different than running an army, a political party, or business. The principles are the same, and the object is to what? Win, no matter what it is. We're in it to win it. But how do we win the game as believers? Because it's not just something we can just fall into. You don't. I, I know I might have mentioned this before. Sheldon was good at everything that he did. Every sport he played, he was a superstar. And he did not put any effort into it. Made me so mad. I'm not kidding you. That kid had an attitude on him from day one. But he was a superstar without hardly putting any effort together. <clears throat> 
Then our, young, our oldest son, he put all kinds of effort into it. And he had handicaps, so he had a hard time playing. And our other son, he was a smaller guy, so he had a hard time playing football. But man, I'll tell you, he loved knocking people down. <laughs> doesn't matter how big you are, how small you are, it doesn't matter. It's in the hair. You win the games from in here, not by brute strength. We all know the story about the, the turtle and the, the tortoise and the hare. Who won the game? Who won that race? The tortoise. It was impossible to win, and yet he did. And we know why, because the hare didn't take the game seriously. He was out there too busy harassing the tortoise, not paying attention to what was going on, and realized he lost. And that we're going to have people that are going to lose the, game, the Super Bowl of life because they're doing the same thing. They won't get in and they won't play the game or they won't be invested in the game with all their heart. And they run around and doing all kinds of things. And one day that trumpet's going to sound or one day they're going to be called and buried and it's too late and they've lost. No one's going to get to heaven by accident. We have to plan to be there. If you're not planning on being there, you're not going to be there. That's as simple as that. I plan on being there, and I'm going to be there. Now, players have to know the rules and objectives to get into the game. Now, Vince, Vince Lombardi, how, do you know who, how many know who he is? Two. <laughs> Vince Lombardi, who was considered the greatest coach of all time and won two Super Bowls, said man's finest hour, his greatest fulfillment is that moment when he has worked his heart out in a good cause and he is exhausted on the field of battle and leaves victorious. How many know that when you go to work and I know whether you like your job or you don't like your job, it doesn't make any difference, you're still supposed to put the same effort into it. But when you do a, God, a good job and you've accomplished something and you go home and you're tired, there's nothing better than going to bed and sleeping on nights like that. Is there? That's the reality of it. Winning or doing a good job is great. It helps us sleep at night. Now the Super Bowl trophy is named after Vince Lombardi in case you didn't know. And he uh, coached the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Except for Aaron Rodgers and the others that are Christians, we like them. But he, the, the first two Super Bowls, only weren't called that, but that's what it was. The first two Super Bowls, he won. And that's why he was one of the reasons he was considered the greatest coach that ever coached anybody. Now, I want to look at some comparisons between football and fighting the good fight of faith, because there are a lot. Uh, the first comparison is that football players and believers need the right equipment. Players need more than jerseys, pants, to be equipped to play the game. They need helmets to protect their face. They need uh, shoulder, hip, butt, knee, and all other kinds of pads that they need to have. They, have, they take their shoes, and they wear the right cleats before they can get on the, on the game, on the feet playing field. That's the reality of it. Because if they don't, well, I'll tell you, when somebody hits you without all the equipment on, you're going down and you're not getting up. So they need the right equipment in order to be there. Besides that, there are rules that won't allow them to play without the right equipment. They're learning now how to protect the, pay, the players a little better. 
Now, this is kind of funny that it took, uh, when football started, they had, the first few years, they uh, told men they had to wear cups. But it was like 10 years later before they made them do anything with the head. The helmets. So you know which, what part men thought were more important. <laughs> Some of you will get that. <laughs> so they wear these protective stuff so they won't get hurt. Christians also need the right equipment in order to win the Super Bowl of life. Uh, Ephesians 6, 11 through 17. Oh, go to the next one. I thought I switched that. I guess I didn't. There we go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For we struggle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of, of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, Christians need to be adequately equipped or we wouldn't know how to play the game. Without this equipment, we'll lose. Of course, the most important one is the helmet of salvation. If you haven't been saved, none of the, you can't wear the rest of the stuff. The helmet is the main part of the, the equipment. You have to be saved. And then you put on the other stuff. I don't, of course, they run the, the important things backwards. It doesn't matter. We need all this stuff if we expect to win. And if we don't have this equipment on, the enemy will walk all over us or smash us all over us or whatever. Now, from the time players are signed to a team, they are given a playbook. Now, they need to look at this, memor this uh, playbook and study it. Now, we've heard announcers say in football games, the receiver and the quarterback aren't on the same page. In other words, the, the quarterback was running one play and the receiver was running another one. And when that happens, incomplete pass or interception. So they need to study their playbook so they can help them win the game, so they can be in the right place at the right time when they need to be. And they know how to do their jobs. Now I'll go back to that other scripture, if you would, honey. Excuse me, Brother Randy. He is my honey, though. Um, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As believer of God, believers of God, this is the Bible is our playbook. This is it. This is what we need to learn. This is what we need to read. This is what we need to study. Otherwise, we're going to get crushed because we need to know our enemy. We need to know how to play the game because eternal ramifications hang in the balance. I mean, if they lose a football game, oh, yeah, we'll be sorry and we'll be sad about it. But if we lose this game, you have an eternity of regrets to think about. So it's very important that we know this book, 
Too many people think that they can live for God and not read the playbook. And then they wonder why, when the devil attacks them, that they end up on their butts or they're creamed. They wonder why. What happened? God, where were you? Why didn't you protect me? Why did you let this happen? Why, 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 why? Read your playbook. This is your offensive and defensive weapon that we need to defeat our enemy in our everyday life, in our total life. Now, fit football players know the team or enemy. They will be playing and spend hours studying them. They don't just sit there and say, oh, we're going to play this team next week. Oh, I'll just go and it doesn't matter. They have practice teams. Then they pretend to be the enemy or the other team. And they try to run the, the, those plays like the team they're going to beat up on the next week. And they practice those plays all week so they can be better prepared to play against that team. They have to know what that team's weaknesses are so they can uh, exploit them. That's what they want to do. And if uh, they have a certain game plan, then they make adjustments if they're not working. So we need to do that. Now, go to the next slide, please. Okay. Players need coaches to come up with a winning game plan. They ex can execute properly. Players need a coach's experience to make good judgment calls and adjustments in situations that might occur in the game and during the game. Players need a coach's discipline to prepare them for whatever happens in that game. Now, believers also need leaders for the same reasons. We need God to lead us through this game of life in order to win. Now, Team Trinity Church needs to function as a team. When we as a body of believers don't function as a team, we have problems. And we've had problems in this church. You can look around and see a lot of people that aren't here anymore. Why? Maybe they weren't team players. Maybe they got angry at somebody. Some of them got angry at the pastor. A lot of people get mad at me. <laughs> they get mad at me. Oh, you preach too much about sin. Well, guess what? Jesus died for it. So I think it's a pretty important subject to talk about. Now, there are a lot of people that go to churches that make them feel good. They call it, God calls them itchy ears. And man, it's great to go there, and I like listening to that. I like uplifting messages, and I try to kind of mix a few things in there with it too. But the reality is, if you're just going there just so you can feel good about yourself, that isn't where it's at. God wants us to know the truth, and the truth is we're sinners. And we're living in a world of sin, a world of darkness, and we don't need to go somewhere where people can tell us how wonderful we are and how we are God's little darlings. And God ain't going to send anybody to hell because that yet is in God. He just loves everybody. That's true. He loves us so much, that's why he came and died. But he can't allow people that have rejected him into his heaven because it would contaminate it. And sin is not allowed in heaven. And if people haven't accepted Christ as their Savior, they are going to pay for their own sin. We can either accept Christ's payment that he paid on the cross, or we're going to pay the penalty ourselves. No matter whether we're God's little darlings or not, that's the reality. And if someone is telling you something different, you better go somewhere else. 
I don't care who they are or how many people they have in their church. It's not about that. It's about telling you the truth. And if God put it in this book, I'm going to talk about it from cover to cover. It's in there. And if it's in there, I'm going to preach it whether I like it or not. And remember, when I go like this, I got more fingers pointing at me. So don't worry about it. God deals with me about issues just the same as he does you. And I have to struggle with a lot of things just like you do. And if you follow me around, you'd be very disappointed to see that I stumble and I fall just like you do. But I get up because I vow I'm going to get up. We only have to get up one more time than we get knocked down. That's all. One more time. I'm going to get up one more time. I don't care if I got a bloody lip, broken arm. It doesn't matter. I'm getting back up. That's what we need to do. And unity was very important to Christ. And on the, just before the night, before he was going to be crucified, he did this when his prayer in John 17, 1 through 3. I said, and Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority for all people that he might give eternal life to all those who you have given him. For this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And drop down verse 11, it says, I will enter the world I will remain in the world no longer, but, there are still in the, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. God wants us to be unified. He wants us to be team players. We're on a team, Team Trinity. And we're here to beat up the devil in this area and claim this area for Christ. And you are team Trinity when you go to work. And you are supposed to testify, be a testimony. You ought to beat people over the head with the gospel. Most people know that they're sinners. If, they, if you actually get them in a, you know, down to it, they'll admit it. But they need to realize they have only one option in order to get to heaven. And it isn't joining a church. You have to join a team, but it isn't Trinity Church's team. <laughs> Trinity Church's team is just only part of Team Jesus. And we have to join that team. You can join every church in this area, every church in the world, and that won't get you to heaven. It'll, you'll get the right to vote in this church, if you're a member. But it won't get you to heaven. The only thing that gets you to heaven is accepting Christ as Savior. Now, God provides many things believers need to win and I only want to focus on four this morning. I know you're saying, oh, thank you, Jesus. Only four. <laughs> the first one is love. 1 John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, most of us, we know what love is. We love our kids. We love our parents. I love my honey buns. It's back there. We know what it's about. But see, God is love. He, does, he loves because he is love. And when we can't love, we have to let him love through us. That's the only way we can make it through this world. That's the only way we can love the people that have hurt us is through God. 
And he provided Holy Spirit not only to be with us, but he lives in us to help us love and to help us reach out to those that have hurt us and those that uh, in this world that need him. It's hard to, you can't beat somebody over the head to get them to heaven. Jesus loved us into the kingdom. And if we love people and they can sense that we truly love them, God will love through us and reach out to them. And that will draw them to him. Because he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He didn't say, if pastor is lifted up or if the Lord is lifted up. He said, if I be lifted up. And that's our job, to let Jesus love through us and lift him up. Then he will take over. That that's, was extremely good news for me, realizing that I can't save anyone. I can't. Only God can save people. All I can do is present God to you. And that's all that you can do. All we can do is be a witness and present God to others. That's all we can do. The rest is the Holy Spirit to convict them and to do it because we can't. You think you can? Hey, you're already lost the battle. So even if we fumble the ball or throw in an interception, he still loves us unconditionally. I love that. Just like we love our kids when they mess up. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now before we were on his team, we were a number one draft choice. He died for every single one of us to be on his team. But see, we have to be willing to accept that. We have to be willing to accept the contract he offers. And it's a lifetime contract. It isn't something that's negotiated every three or four years. It's a contract that we sign for life. So we want to be on his team for life. And he died for us. Said, this is how much I want you on my team. I gave you this. I died for you. And he gave us a signing bonus of eternal life. Hallelujah. That's exciting. I like that. I love that. The second thing God provided for believers is grace. Now, grace is an important part of God's game plan. Grace comes through us through Christ. It's God's power living through us to give us the strength to get up and go on when we're hurt. When we get blindsided by somebody in the church that said something about us or did something to us, or somebody at work hurt us, or something else happened in our life, or all the stuff in the house breaks down. He's given us the power to be able to survive. That's what grace is. It's an empowerment that God has given us. He's given us the strength. He's given us the power. And he gave us his name to be able to accomplish anything he's called us to do. Nothing's impossible with God. So if you think, yeah, but God doesn't know me, oh, yes, he does. God knows every single one of us. He knows our weakness, and he knows our strengths. And he says, I am become strong in your weakness. Because in our weakness, that's when we need God more. If we have a lot of strengths, we have a tendency to think, oh, God, I got this one. It's all right. I can do this. And I could probably come up here and preach. I've been preaching for a long time. 
So I could probably come up here and preach on my own. But I don't want to. Because I don't want it to be my message. I want it to be God's message. And I've dedicated this to God. I've asked him to anoint it. I've asked him to do everything he needs to do in this message. And I especially want him to say things that aren't in my notes. And most of the stuff I say up here are not in my notes. That's why sometimes I preach so long. You don't like it? Take it up with God. He keeps dropping it into my mind. <laughs> so if he puts it there, i got to talk about it. Amen? And I will continue to do that. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Now, Paul had a thorn in the flesh that just drove him crazy. Now, I don't know what it was. We speculate, and everybody has their opinion about what it was, but it doesn't matter what it was. Don't focus on what was bothering him. Focus on what happened and what God told him about it. And if you have something going on in your life and you keep praying on it and praying on it, praying about it, keep praying about it till God tells you to stop, which he did with Paul. Why did he tell him to stop? You ever thought about that? Because God knew if he kept praying, he would take it away. And that had been the worst thing for Paul. Because that thorn in the fresh flesh kept that guy humble. Now, if you know anything about Paul's life, you know he was beaten with rods, he was shipwrecked, he was stoned. He was done, all kinds of things happened to this guy. And what did he pray about? Take this thorn away. I can handle the beating. I can handle everything, Lord, but I can't handle this thorn. God says, no, my grace is sufficient. That's what God tells you this morning. If you've been praying about something, God hasn't told you to stop. Just take, uh, enjoy this word. It says, his grace is sufficient. His grace will get you through it. His grace is what's making me able to preach up here this morning. I'll tell you, the last few months have not been a picnic for me. I've had surgeries and everything that can, ha can go wrong has gone wrong, as you well know. And I have been very unhappy about it. And I've told God, God, I'm just trying to do what you've called me to do, but I, man, I just can't do this stuff. It's, it's too hard on me now. But here I am, plugging along, because I won't give up. Till they throw dirt in my face, I will not give up. I will not surrender. Because if you do, the devil wins. And I don't want the devil winning. So I'm up here, so take that, Satan. Jesus said our enemies are under our feet, right? Amen. So we take authority over it, we shake our fist to the devil and say, take your best shot, it ain't going to work. And if we keep have attitude, then maybe those times of tempting won't be so long. Sooner or later, God wants us to get us flat on our backs so we have nothing to do but look up. Well, start looking up early. Save some time on your back. So we need to do that. <clears throat> uh, now, the third thing God provided for believers is forgiveness. Now, we have heard many times, on, if you're watching football games, that the announcers say after the quarterback throws an interception, they say, 
Well, he has a short memory. That means that he isn't going to let that interception or that uh, sack that he took that lost yards affect him. Because he's, in other words, he's forgiven the interception. Because the number one person that we have hard, a hard time forgiving is us. How we respond to somebody. And you want to know if you're doing that? How many times when you say something or don't say something, you go home and you relive that incident over and over and over and over again in your mind? Oh, I wish I'd have said this, or I wish I'd have said that, or why did I do that? Got to have a short memory. We got to forgive. Because if we don't, the devil wins. And the quarterback will lose, too. If he can't get over that interception, I don't care if he throws five of them in a game. He's got to go on to the next play. That's what we need to do. We need to go on to the next play. Keep on keeping on. Matthew 6, 14 to 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now God knows if we don't forgive people for what they do to us, it'll just eat us up. That develops a bit of bitterness, and it'll just eat us alive. A lot of people have ailments in their bodies and die early because of unforgiveness. We have people that say, I'm never going to forgive them for what they've done. Well, that's going to eat you alive. And if you're not willing to forgive, I'm not saying it's easy. God didn't say it was easy, but you know what forgiveness is? It's not remembering. And it's hard sometimes if you have to go to work every day and look at that person that did it to you. Or you come to church and you look at that person that did something to you and that just kind of just ooze up in your inner being and you know when it's happening. Well, when that starts to happen, we push it down and raise our hands and say, praise God, I forgave him for that and I'm not going there. And if you continue to do that, the devil quit bringing it up because the last thing he wants you to do is praise God. So if you praise God more, maybe you won't have some situations in your life that you need to. But unforgiveness is something that we have to learn. And it's so important that Jesus said, if you're not willing to forgive, I can't forgive you. But see, it's the willing to forgive. If we don't forgive, we can't. But through Christ, we can. It's the only way we can do it. If you have something in your life you're having a hard time getting through, and every time you see him, you just want to smack him in the mouth. Oh, you say, oh, pastor, you're not like that. You want to bet? Ask Brother Randy. Sometimes I'll say, sometimes I'll say, oh God, just give me five minutes. Just five minutes and I'll take care of this problem. And I have a pulpit up here that I could really let them have it. And I'll just look at them while I'm preaching it so they'll know I'm talking about them. <laughs> we need to learn how to forgive. Uh, let's see, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. When we join his team, we are a new creation. God remakes us from the inside out. That's the difference between salvation in Christ, the way he provides it, and religion. Religion tries to change you from the outside in. 
And I've spent it, oh man, I spent probably 20 years trying to live religion from the outside in. And all I did was feel worse and getting mad at myself and mad at God because every time I turned around, I failed. And when I fail, man, I'll tell you, that's the worst thing that happened to me, failure. I cannot deal with that. I have to be first because to me, there's no second. And so I win. And when I lose, it affects me greatly. So I had a hard time with that until all of a sudden, one day, God just went poof. And then I got it. It's not here. It's here. It's not a religion from the outside in. It's a relationship with God from the inside out. And when we let God into our life and change us and live through us, we can do it. Sure, I still fumble. Sure, I still throw interceptions. But with God's help, I get through it. And he helps me get through it because a relationship, I can live. Married people, you know that. It's hard to have a marriage if you're living here and your husband's a thousand miles away. And you don't, hurt, and you don't see each other. How many think that marriage will last? Both of you will get wandering eyes. Because it doesn't work. You have to have a relationship. And part of that relationship is being in, in intimacy with one another. Having a close relationship with each other. Talking to each other. And Ryan and I have been together so long, I can, I, I'm thinking at the same time he is. He'll say, I'm just thinking about that. You, we begin to think alike. And that's what God wants in this relationship. He wants us to think like he thinks. When we do that, hey, winning. We're on the winning team. Yay, team. Now, if we do fumble or throw that interception, God doesn't throw us off the team. Kick us out of the stadium. He doesn't do that. The only way we get off this team is if we turn our back on God and walk away. We retire. If football players are under contract, they have to play unless they retire or, or hold out and then they lose money. That's the only way we get off of God's football team is by walking away. God says, no one can take you out of my hand. No one or nothing. There's no power in hell that can take you out of my hand. But... You can bite my hand and walk away. It's the only way you get away. Doesn't matter how many times you fall, God's there to pick you up and keep on going on. So on the days we don't play up to our level, days we get level, doesn't matter. God still loves us. God's going to do what it takes. Of course, if we don't acknowledge those mistakes, then God's going to put us in a situation where we have to. Might be flat on your back. So if you've messed up, confess it right away. And then you'll have to deal with that. You'll save yourself some heartache. I examine your heart every day. Say, God, have I done anything today that I need to confess? Have I said anything today I need to confess? Take care of it every day. Now, if I die before I confess a sin, am I still going to heaven? Yes. Because Jesus died for my sin. Once I'm on the team, doesn't matter if I mess up, I'm still going to go to heaven, except unless I walk away, turn my back on God. I'm still going to make it. So don't worry about that. You think, we're, oh, man, what am I going to do? And we're, we're afraid every time we're What am I going to do? If I get down in a car wreck, oh, oh, Lord, if I get down in a car wreck, oh. 
We worry about this stuff. Don't worry about it. Because you're covered. Because we can't earn our way into heaven. We can't do enough good deeds to outweigh the bad deeds to make it to heaven. The only deed we need is to accept Christ as our Savior. That's all we need to do. The fourth thing God provided for believers is his presence. Without God's presence, we'll lose the game. It's like trying to play a football game without a ball. As believers, trying to, trying to live for God without his presence in our life, it's like playing without a ball. It's impossible. You can't. We need to include God in our life every day. Now, when Adam and Eve was in the, in the Garden of Eden, God walked and talked with them, and his presence was very visible to them. And you say, oh, does that mean, what does that mean? They see God? Yeah, they see God. But remember, there was the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, always. Not, Jesus didn't become the Son of God when he was born. He was always the Son of God. And it was the Son of God who walked with Adam and Eve in the cool evening. We call that a theophany. It was Jesus before he took the form of man. You can't take the form of something unless you were something before. Jesus was always God. He was God when he was born. He was God when he was in Mary's womb. And he's still God. He'll always be God. There'll always be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. If that's confusing to you, I have some messages about that in the video. If you let me know, I'll see to you get it. Try to help explain it a little easier. It's a complicated doctrine, but I don't have to understand it to believe it. If you have to understand something to believe it, you're really going to be messed up. Because there's a lot of stuff in this Bible I do not understand, but I believe it anyway. Because it's true whether I believe it or not. God's word is true whether you believe it or not. So when they sinned, it broke God's heart. It really did because it separated him from Adam and Eve. It separated from him from the children that he had created out of the dust of the earth. And it broke his heart. Why did he choose to redeem us? Because it was the only way he could get back that relationship. The only way. I don't understand why or how he does it. It's a miracle. But if you're a parent and you have children and they mess up, or you're alienated from your kids, you understand you want to fix that relationship because it breaks your heart as a parent. Well, God is our Father, and he did everything he can to fix the relationship. But we have to do our part. God took the first step, and that was a big step that he took. That's how much he loves us. And we have to not say, I'm not going on, God. If you don't go with me, I'm not going. That's what Moses said to God. Because God said, hey, I'm going to destroy all these people and I'll raise up some more on, under you. And Moses says, no, if, they, if you don't go with us, I'm not going. Whew. He had some gumption, didn't he? Strong man of faith. And when we're strong in faith, and we say, God, I'm not going in that situation unless you go with me. But see, we don't have to worry about that because God said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. God is with us no matter what we do, no matter where we go. He's with me this morning. He's here in this church through the Holy Spirit. He's here. 
and he's living here, and he's living in each one of you that have accepted him as Savior. So we have his presence. And if we have his presence, we can win. Hallelujah. I'm all for winning. I hate losing. I don't want to have loser, loser, loser tattooed on my forehead. Well, I want to say this to, to Susie this afternoon. Loser, loser. I tease Susie a lot because she can take it. I can't, I can't tease certain people because they get offended and then they leave. And I try not to do that, but I kid a lot. I've always kidded a lot. If you get around me a lot, you know you'll know that. But we must be ready for the game. In today's game, the owners and coaches provided everything the players need to win the game. The equipment, the playbook, everything that they need. But when all is said and done, the game is decided on the field. That's who's going to win the game. Not going to be the coaches, although they think mess up and make wrong plays and don't make adjustments. Yeah, some of that's on them. But the players are the ones that has to execute the plays. And we're on the playing field. And we will win or lose, not because of someone else, because they, fa they failed. We'll lose because we failed. If we walk away from God, we are going to fail. And we will lose. But if we stay on the team and we keep on fighting, we will win. Next slide. The team who wants it the most will win this game today. The team who doesn't let an interception or fumble knock them out of the game will win. The team who can forgive and dig deep inside of themselves and move on as a team when these things happen will win. Players need to remember that the game isn't over till the final whistle blows. In the, our Super Bowl life, we have to do the same thing. No matter what Satan throws at us, no matter what his game plan is, because he knows our weaknesses, we have to keep on fighting. We have to keep on getting up, no matter what he does to us. I don't care if he throws a 300-pound lineman to, to cream us. It does not matter. We're in it to win it with his strength, with his power, because he's provided everything that we need in order to win. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs were a great example this year, and I like Kansas City Chiefs because Steve Smith... <laughs> My mind just went blank. Alex Smith is the quarterback. But on this team, they were one in five, and everybody was jumping on them. Oh, loser, loser, loser. And they were thinking, they were calling out, fire the coach, fire the general manager, do all this other kind of stuff. And because they're losers, and there's no hope in the world, there's no way in the world that they're going to pull this out. But guess what? They didn't care if they were one and five because the next week they were two and five. The next week they were three and five, four and five, five and five, six and five, seven and five, eight and five, nine and five, ten and five. All of a sudden, they not only won the games, but they made the playoffs and won their first playoff games. But they gave up on them way back then. So no matter what happens in your life, no matter what's going on in your Super Bowl of life, don't give up because you can always dig deep and never give up. And when you never give up, you'll get up. 
We will win if we keep on. But if you're not on the winning team, you'll lose. Do you know him this morning? Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, I'm thankful, Lord, for this day. And I'm thankful for everything that you've done for each one of us, Lord, providing a way for us to join the winning team. Because we're on the winning team, no matter what goes on in our life, if we stay on the team, we'll win. Doesn't matter what the scoreboard says. It doesn't matter how many times we fumble. Doesn't matter no matter how many times we stumble. We're still going to win. Because you are our Savior, our Redeemer. And because of what you did, not because of what we've done, we'll make it. And I ask, Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, I pray, Lord, that they will make that decision this morning. In Jesus' name. Like I said, you can be an armchair quarterback for the game today, but you can't be one in the Super Bowl of life. You have to be the quarterback of your own life. If not, you'll lose. But you have to join the team. And God has drafted you. Are you going to let him? Are you going to let him help you? Anyone here this morning that don't know him and say, I'd like to? Anyone? I know most of us 